Ledger's a writing podcast with a brand new intro song, as you just heard, by my friend Sean Nataro. He's a super talented musician. I really appreciate him giving the music for the show. Uh, you'll hear it as the outro music, too. Um, welcome to this episode of Ledger. A lot of stuff to cover, so I'm going to try to dive into it really quick. If you listen to the previous episode where I interviewed Tim Wagoner, um, you can kind of hear my sound is kind of weird, right? Uh, turns out that was probably stage one of my audio interface completely dying. Stage two, that's right, happened when I interviewed Jessica McHugh, which is why my audio sounds like pure garbage. Why does it sound better now? Well, it's because I started editing this episode this morning at about 10 a.m., uh, and had to buy a completely brand new audio interface in between now and then. So this is the brand new audio interface, and it sounds beautiful, as you can tell. Uh, so apologies to Jessica, to everyone who's listening. I'm insanely embarrassed that my audio sounds as bad as it does. Uh, I really wish that I could have cleaned it up a little bit better, but I'm not that talented when it comes to editing and audio in general, uh, but I did what I could. Um, but more importantly, Jessica's audio sounds great. Uh, we still get to talk. She gets to talk about all of the stuff that's coming out in 2022 and all of the stuff she's done previously, her blackout poetry. She reveals a, a little bit of info about two books that are coming out. You should definitely listen for that and swing by her website, mchuniverse.com. Man, I love that website. It's M as in Mary, C-H-U-G-H-N-E-S-S, -S, her last name, mchuniverse.com. Definitely swing by there and look at her poetry, at her books, and, and uh, maybe even get yourself a blackout poem or, or get one for someone you know, because she does do them as commissions that you can give away as gifts. Um, we have a great conversation about, about poetry, about things that scare us or don't scare us. Uh, she reveals a, a often forgotten little women quote that I think is really going to stick with you. Uh, it's, it's kind of revelatory, honestly, this little women quote that she, that she brings to the show. Um, thank you so much to Jessica. Again, I apologize for my audio. I, I really wish I had known before the show that my interface was on its final leg, but you know what? Uh, didn't find out until afterwards, but, uh, here's the show. Let me know what you think about it. Reach out on Twitter. I'm at Austin R. Wilson or ledger underscore podcast. You can also go to my website, austinrwilson.com. I've got a lot of free fiction there you can check out and don't be afraid to shoot me a line through email or tw uh, Twitter, wherever. Um, but now onto the show. The big thing I wanted to talk to you about, I wanted to start with the hardest question I could come up with. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> what is poetry? What is poetry? What uh, even is it? Um, I, it's, it's music. I feel like, I, you know, yeah. how you would define music is probably how you would define poetry. It's, uh, um, it's it's human beings making music painful beautiful music <laughs> on the page <laughs> one, one of the reasons why obviously that's you know a ridiculous question um <laughs> one of the reasons why i thought about it or, or even wanted to have that conversation is because i feel like for me i've been guilty in the past of looking at something and being like that's not a poem <laughs> yeah. and that's a me problem you know that that's me and is that something that is that just me do do other people do that How, what's the 
the the sort of way you get into poetry that when you're writing it and do you ever have a moment where you're like but is this a poem that I'm writing (laughs) um I think it's interesting because uh a lot of poetry can feel like flash fiction yeah and um and I think that's okay uh I think the really the only way it's it's some poetry is different from flash fiction or you know a micro story whatever you want to call it is kind of how you break it up and shape it you know you're not just writing a you know block of uh of prose um yeah if it has some kind of musicality to it i mean certainly there are times when i i read a poem and i'm just like "Eh." Mm -hmm. (laughs) all right (laughs) you know (laughs) maybe it's not my cup of tea you know and but that doesn't make it any less poetry or art or you know i i think you could you could tear that that down further and further and further and when it comes down to it it's just i think a personal preference of whether it affected you or not or if you really you know are underst- understanding what the person is trying to communicate and if they were effective in communicating that <laughs> yeah do you think the visual aspect of it you cuz you mentioned um, how you arrange the blocks and mm-hmm. is that a major defining aspect of poetry for you because some your poetry has very amazing visuals with them that i would say if somebody was if i was going to like read a poem of yours to someone um or like you you read poems uh at the writing in the dark symposium which we were both at um and you showed us the art on the pages because your stuff has very you know beautiful illustrations alongside the words for you mm-hmm. is that something that defines poetry in general or just the stuff that you've done thus far not always i mean certainly uh the spacing of a poem or if you're using blackout poetry or you know uh if you're you're breaking it up a bit where you decide to end the lines that all has an effect um whether it's successful or not that is (laughs) that's definitely depends on the reader but um I, i don't think poetry requires to you know a certain shape or flow to be defined as poetry. I just think it's interesting when people take risks like that. Um, I, I mean, I was, um, I, friends of mine, I, I hung out with them last night and they, they got a poem from someone on the street in, in New York who just, you know, yeah. wrote it on her little, her little typewriter and stuff. And I was reading it and it was, I mean, it was a very nice piece because it was about them as a couple. They gave her some things about their relationship. But the way she broke um, the words were very confused. It was very confusing to me. And it uh, it really took me out of, yeah. of the piece and, and took a little of my enjoyment because it I couldn't read the word. It was broken up in such a way where it even changed the, the sound of how you would start saying the word. They'd be like, oh, it's not, it's not soup, it's surprise or something like that. And I was just like... Uh, yeah, so I, I think while it, it was a very beautiful poem, I feel like her choices there detracted from the beauty of the poem. Now, maybe that was what she was going for. Yeah. I don't, maybe that's just her thing. Um, you know, she still wrote an amazing poem in like a minute of like meeting people. So there's definitely talent there. But I think I think you need to to make those choices very mindfully yeah, uh, and think about how the reader is going to be interpreting it and, and read it aloud and 
are you tripping over words you know that kind of thing yeah one of the earliest i i guess like true poetic experiences that i had with with poetry it's kind of cliche i feel like it is but i saw dead poet society when i was in high school oh, yeah. <laughs> um and it legitimately like had a huge impact on me but it was also yeah. weird because i couldn't talk to any of my friends about it because none of them read or gave a shit oh, no. <laughs> but that idea about what poetry could be um, versus what I thought it was at the time was really revelatory for me that it wasn't defined by just like the first rhyme, the first line rhymes with the second line or, you know, onward mm -hmm. and onward. But did you have, what was the experience you had with poetry like that, where you maybe felt like the world of, of what the possibilities were opened up? Yeah. Um, I think it was probably in elementary school. I remember we did like a whole week on poetry. I think it was maybe third, fourth grade, fourth grade, probably, or fifth grade. And um, we, we had to memorize a poem and recite it in front of the class, which, you know, everybody just dreads, except for me, because I was like, I'm going to memorize two poems. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I just, I really loved poetry right away. I did. Um, so I, I memorized, um, um, how do I love thee? Um, and then I, uh, I memorized the unicorn by, uh, Shel Silverstein. So, I mean, I, I was reading Shel Silverstein, you know, from the time I could read. So I, I was into funny poetry, like very early. And then, yeah, I read some Elizabeth Barrett Browning and kind of those, uh, well-known poems and, um, and I, I wrote a lot of poetry. I wrote a lot of songs um, when I was a kid. Uh, but I do remember the first poem I really, really fell in love with, and it's my favorite poem to this day, is Ozymandias by Percy Shelley. Um, and I was in North Carolina at my uh, aunt and uncle's house, and my cousin, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know how old, I was probably like 11 or something. It was very clear that he had just gotten high or something. <laughs> <laughs> He, he comes into the room where I was staying and I, he was in college and I guess they, he was taking a poetry course or something and just stoned out of his gourd, he reads me Ozymandias. And I was just like, you know, I met a traveler from an antique land, you know, and I was just like, what is this? This is poem? amazing. Yeah, I felt high. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, I, I just, I really um, got super into it after that. And uh and I was already writing short stories by that time, so I was I was already way into all kinds of writing. So when you sit down to write uh, a poem, um, you're the first poet that I've talked to, by the way. Um, oh. <laughs> I think I mean I wouldn't be shocked if the other people have written poetry, but yeah, I, yeah. you're the you're the first poet. Um, I'm just so interested in in how your brain would be approaching the beginning of a poem, the very first thing that you would do. Like, um, and I, I've talked about this on, on previous episodes with, you know, with other forms of writing, because one thing you hear with, with prose, which you obviously write as well, which we'll get into, um, or, you know, longer form uh, yeah. stories, <laughs> um, you hear about that first sentence, that mm -hmm. first word. Um, is there a correlation for that in, in poetry where it's like, you really want a word that, begins the poem like when you're starting to write a poem is that on your mind at all 
Or is that something where like you finish the poem and you come back and you're like, I really need to add like a real firecracker at the beginning of this thing. Yeah. Um, a lot of times the first line is not, uh, what I write first. Um, I'm usually just going to start with whatever imagery pops into my head. Usually it'll just be like a turn of phrase and then I'll build the poem off that kind of like tying, uh, things together. And it might, uh, I might write the end of the poem before I decide how I want it to start because it's almost like getting, I think it's very much like writing a a short story. You kind of, you're getting to know what what is the subject what is the theme here and as you're learning that and adding bits to the poem then you kind of figure out where all the little pieces go to make it feel fully formed um now certainly it's very different when i'm writing blackout poetry because i have all the words (laughs) that i'm going to be able to use basically right right in front of me or at least the letters because i can build i can build the words i need um so with blackout poetry i just look for something that's gonna jump out at me um and that usually is just a word or a phrase or something i'll see two words near each other that feel kind of cool and i'm like okay well where does this take me if i go this way what does the poem turn into if i go this way um so it's it's all about i it, it is important to have that kind of anchor word or or phrase um but whether it's going to be the beginning of the poem i think it's very important to start strong but i do not (laughs) i don't always actually start strong myself when i'm writing yeah (laughs) i have to make myself stronger later (laughs) it's so funny you said that you can build the words with the letters because i mean i think this just points at how early on i am in my understanding of like because i've i've made some blackout poems in the past uh, i heard about them because of austin cleon i had never heard mm-hmm. about him before but he had a book of them um so i i briefly made a few um but i would have never ever like when you said i could build the words with the letters i was like oh holy shit i didn't even think about that yeah you could just make whatever <laughs> yeah, you well, want and it's weird now because i will see the hidden words within other words oh that's so, cool like, when there's a there, I'll see her, he, you know, all these things here that I can find in words and uh, awesome. kind of use this little cheats. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and we talked about this a little bit um, at the the writing in the dark symposium about how you, as you're doing a blackout poem, you sort of feel this sort like alternate dimension pull to all of these other versions of the poem as it's as it's coming together as you're building it mm-hmm. um walk yeah. me through that a little bit how like let's say you're doing a a poem in um a complex accident of life uh one mm-hmm. of those um you're which is one of jessica's books you should check it out so that's a blackout poem based on uh, frankenstein by mary shelley um so let's say one of those is coming together Mm-hmm. Um, and you are doing what you're just talking about, you know, seeing words within words and kind of say, oh, this word has a relationship to this word. How long would it take you to to put one of those poems together to a point where you're like, okay, I know the thread that I want to exist from the beginning of this to the end. Now I can go through it. How long are we talking with, with one? Um, it, it varies. Uh, you know, sometimes it'll be as much as I'll find it in five minutes. Um, there are times when, I mean, last night I was like, I cannot go to bed until I have found a poem that blows me away. And I had written a couple and I'm like, ah, these are fine, but it's not good. Blow me away. It took me like 45 minutes, like to finally 
get the poem the way I liked it where I could post it. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be like, okay, I'm going to bed, bye. Yeah. <laughs> um, but <laughs> so, I mean, it really depends. Um, especially, I mean, I recently, I'm working on a, a blackout collection inspired by little women. And I recently did the same page twice yeah. in different versions of the book, but it has essentially the same words on the page. And the two poems that I got from that page are vastly different. That's so cool. So it, it really, and one of them is very short is very, just a couple of, couple of words. And then the other one is pretty long. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just, uh, it's, it's interesting to, to take the time and, 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 and explore the options. And, and sometimes I'll have a poem and I'll think it's done and I'll get to the coloring process and I change it completely. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll just erase it. I'm like, this didn't work at all. Why did I even do this? This works much better. And I'll completely change the piece. And it have been sitting in my done pile for months. <laughs> so how different is that then uh, for your long form prose stuff? Like, um, because I'm sure 45 minutes doesn't feel long. But if you're if you're writing a uh, a longer form prose piece, generally yeah. those take longer. What's the yeah. the sense of like? Is there a different sense of accomplishment? Does it feel related at all? Or I mean, I feel like blackout poetry. You get the satisfaction a lot quicker, and you yeah. get it more times. Yeah. <laughs> um, so because you get to find the poem. And then you get to color it and yeah. then, you know, then you get to publish it maybe, or, you know, share it. So there's like a lot of that. Um, and, or, and you get nominated or, you know, whatever. Sure. Whereas like, I've, I had, uh, I think 20, 23 novels, um, out since I started, uh, writing and like, I mean, I've made more money off a of play than I made my entire young adult series. So, I mean, so you get, you, and it takes years and years and years and you get no, not a lot of payoff except for, ah, this is a really cool story I wrote and some people like it. Um, the blackout poetry definitely is get, getting me a lot more uh, satisfaction quicker. So I, I do like break. <laughs> is that scary to you? Like, is it scary to think scared. that, because I, I don't do blackout poetry. You know, I write comics, which are probably closer to blackout poetry, although the timelines are, are also weird because I yeah. don't draw, so I have to work with people. Mm -hmm. But the idea of like doing a, of writing a prose story, like a long form prose story, you know, maybe even like three thousand words, and maybe getting to the end of it and being like, "Shit, yeah. did I did this land?" I mean, I uh, yeah, it's it's happened. It I've done it. I um a couple years, um I did the. Uh, the a story a week challenge and you know wrote 52 stories and uh you know <laughs> there are a lot of stinkers in there um and there but there it gave me a lot of material to eventually work with and work on and characters and whatnot um but I mean it does kind of scare me a little bit like thinking you know I was a novelist and a short story writer for so long and I'm like, was I supposed to be doing poetry this whole time? Damn. <laughs> so, like, I had no idea. Um, and I get, I, I get a little scared that I might not, like, write another novel, which is not something I, I want to, I don't, I want to write novels, too. <laughs> right, yeah. Well, yeah, I, I have, mean, if you, I, you have 23 I of them. <laughs> 
you know, and I, I have two books coming out this year. So novels coming out this year. So I, I hope that that will um, kind of rekindle that, that kind of fire because I, I finished um, one of them took five years to finish. So, <laughs> and it's finally coming out. So I'm just, so let's talk about that. Five years to finish coming out this year. That's a huge deal. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really excited. Uh, the, the first, it's a sequel. Um, the first book is coming out, uh, rabbits in the garden is coming out from ghoulish books in late August. And that is a reprint of a book I had published years back. And, uh, I just kind of edited a little bit and spruced it up. Um, and it's about a, a young girl in the late fifties who is accused of murder and she's confined to a Taunton asylum in Massachusetts and, Kind of, it's her trying to prove her innocence, but is she innocent? And she's got a crazy mother who's evilish, and yeah, <laughs> and uh, yeah. So, like, I'm excited to get that one back out there. But the sequel, Hairs in the Hedgerow, I am super duper excited about. Um, it takes place 15 years later in the 70s in California. It's crazy cult horror. Um, it's a big love letter to Joni Mitchell because I freaking love Joni Mitchell. And so um, it, it's, it's a, it's a wild book and uh, that should be out in November. It takes place around uh, the week of Thanksgiving. So oh, got to cool. bring out family fun for the holidays. Yeah. How does, um, how does your, the Joni Mitchell influence play into it or, or as much as you can say or want to say, I don't want you to spoil anything. Well, the main character is very much, um, just a big fan of music and, uh, and, and wants to be a singer songwriter and be a musician and stuff. And she, uh, she feels very trapped at, at home with her mother who wouldn't allow her to go to public school and for reasons unknown. And, uh, all she just kind of wants to do is escape and she meets a, a a young musician and, uh, gets tangled up with him and his very strange family um, uh, or religion, kind of this choir lamb. So, uh, it's, she's just kind of, there's a lot of Joni Mitchell lyrics. I'm probably gonna have to take out. I haven't gotten those edits back yet. <laughs> <laughs> or rewrite in a, in a certain way. But uh, I just, while I was writing the book, I was, I was listening to Joni Mitchell and other, uh, seventies, um, especially female singers, the entire time Joan Baez and and Janice Ian I just love them so much and they're just it was uh it was such a fun book to write but I I ended up having I wrote it back in uh 2015 for NaNoWriMo and <laughs> when in the middle of writing it my cat died oh and uh yeah it was it was rough and yeah. we kind of, we knew it was coming but we were hoping it wasn't gonna happen that fast and uh I was like, well, I'm in the middle of writing this book. I need to finish writing this book. So I just like soldiered through and kept writing, even though I was like literally insane from grief. Yeah. And the end of the book, I had to rewrite the whole thing because it is insane. Like it reads like a Tarantino film. <laughs> like a dog shows up out of nowhere and saves the day. Like... <laughs> It's amazing. Like I, I someday I'll release it maybe <laughs> with the original ending. I bet Max would enjoy that actually. Um, but <laughs> it was it was um, a trial, and uh, 
I, so I had to rewrite all that. And it took me so long to, to be able to, to edit it and get it ready for submission. Um, because of that, but also just because, uh, after my cat died, I just, I like couldn't write. Yeah. I, I, I could, but it was, it just was no good. It was like colorless and yeah. just didn't, it didn't feel fun anymore. I, you know, the room that I always wrote in, like was no longer inspiring to me because he was always there while I was writing. Right. Like it, it just completely like took away so much of my passion and it took forever to get it back yeah it was it was wacky and wild i uh so that's how i learned don't write prose <laughs> after someone passes away yeah did i did you did you transition to to poetry more then because of that or like were you not writing at all i i mean i was still I was still writing. I I wrote um, a lot of flash fiction during that time, so I guess uh, it was kind of kind of poetry. I was doing. I was wrote fifty five fifty five word stories. Oh, cool! For um, a collection from Carrie and Blue five five five, and uh, and fourteen of those stories are about my cat. <laughs> like it's a big long yeah. like open. Um, uh, I really only. I mean, I've been writing poetry forever but uh i got into blackout poetry in 2019 so really not that long ago um when we were going through a financial setback and we were getting kicked out of our house of 11 years and so i did a, a fundraiser and people donated and i was like well i want to send people thank you gifts but i don't, I don't have any money or anything so yeah um i i went to the dollar store and i found a um uh not Shirley Jackson. It's a, no, I can't think. Was it? Yeah, it is a Shirley Jackson. It's a Shirley Jackson um, book of essays and stories and poetry and stuff. And um, I, I started making blackout poetry to send people as thank you gifts. Yeah. And I, people loved them and I loved it and I couldn't stop doing it. <laughs> like I, I just, I just didn't stop. And I only had the collection come out because I was, working on just Frankenstein pieces to, to sell. And Jacob from Apocrypha was like, uh, do you want to like put these in a collection or <laughs> can you stop selling them <laughs> please? So, and, and then that ends up with you being nominated for a stoker. Yeah. Big, big shock. <laughs> yeah. And, and a huge honor. So you as a writer, I mean, obviously you grew up writing, you grew up reading, um, Let's talk about where your love of horror, where that, where you, where you feel like that comes from. Where's the, like the first thread where you're like, oh, I'm into dark stuff. Yeah. Um, I mean, probably this, you know, all the, the creepy kind of early Disney movies and kids movies that were just inherently creepy. I mean, uh, I would watch the last unicorn over and over and over and while I mean I wouldn't call it incredibly scary, it certainly has very very scary moments. Um, I I always loved uh, spooky campfire stories. Like you know, they were always uh, I feel like in classrooms books just anywhere for free reading time. When you finished, you just pick a book out of a basket. And I always picked like campfire stories or you know scary stories to tell in the in the dark and 
stuff like that. So I, I just always been drawn to it. I, I'm not really sure why. Um, I watched a lot of every Saturday, there was a horror matinee, like it came on, I would always go up to my parents' bedroom and watch Nightmare on Elm Street, like through my fingers <laughs> and in the rainbow and um like and write in my diary while i was do, watching it so i'd be like oh my god he's, this guy's face got ripped off like you know sometimes i would illustrate it so that's a can you scare yourself with the stuff that you're writing like do you is there such a disconnect like as you're creating it because thinking back to like the stuff that i watched or read when i was a kid and you know that scared the shit out of me and Every once in a while, I can write something where I'm like, oh, that's a spooky idea. That kind of creeps me out. But mm -hmm. there's still a weird, like, there's something in it that because I know it's coming from me, there's a portion of me that's like not as scared as if you wrote a story and I read it. And it right. seems, can you scare yourself with your stuff? I think what scares me most is thinking about people's reactions to some of the <laughs> oh, yeah. stuff or gross stuff I write. Like, I've definitely had nightmares about people, like, reading my stuff and being like, what's wrong with you? Oh, yeah, that, like, um, typical, like, why, why would you write this and then put it out? Yeah. Like, that's disgusting. Yeah, I mean, I know when I was when I was writing the, the train derails in Boston, which is erotic horror, um, I was, like, during the writing of it, I was, like, having so much fun. This is, like, a lady is masturbating while a decapitated dog is telling her to do so. Like, you know, this is gold. Yeah. <laughs> While I was editing it, I was like, oh, my God, no. Because <laughs> yeah. I wasn't even that girl anymore, you know? Right. Like, <laughs> I was it, – it's it's crazy. It feels it, – that felt like a, a weird disconnect because that book, I really went out of my comfort zone and tried to be as incredibly gross as possible. So um, all in the service of the story, of sure, course. Sure, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and so editing it was it was very tough because it, it definitely grossed me out a lot. Does that happen with your with like let's say with uh the book that's coming out from Ghoulish, um when you were when you were editing that, being like, mm -hmm. I'm not even that person anymore, mm -hmm. how difficult is it to know what I guess probably the best way to say it is like to know what will serve the story or to know the things that you feel like you should change because you're not that person anymore like well mm -hmm. that serves the story yeah. but i wouldn't write it that way now but was it hard mm -hmm. to make that distinction uh, for for rabbits in the garden it definitely was because i had written it originally i think in 2010 yeah and it had been it had been released and i had it had three other editions and i edited them all and then when I had to do it for this release, I was like, please don't let me ever have to do this again. Yeah. Because it is, I wasn't, I, I couldn't change it by this point. I could only kind of polish it up. And that really bugs me because there are decisions I made back then I, that I certainly would not make now. Um, and I wish like so many people read it before it was published, like my mom and stuff. I wish she had told me that martha's vineyard houses don't have basements <laughs> oh, so. some do some do but <laughs> it's just like oh it's such an important part of the story and she's from martha's vineyard and she didn't <laughs> so was it just stuff like that like kind of um, fact checky stuff or was because between 
2010 and gosh, even like 2015, the, the landscape of just like social changes, like, was there anything in it where you're like, who the hell was I? There, there is a character that I based off of research I did on, on psychiatric hospitals in the fifties and stuff. And there was an account of a, a young male um, who was in the girls' ward because he was being assaulted in in the boys' ward, um, and I don't they, they never said if he was gay or trans or anything anything like that. But uh, I think during the edit, I tried to make it a little bit more sensitive. Yeah. I think, but I. Think feel like the original writing he was just kind of like prancing around in a dress yeah and i was like um and again like i couldn't really change i can't remove this character sure. you know i ha- i had done the research on it so i felt and he's a good character and yeah. i like him a lot I- so i just kind of i think i had to make it just a little bit um a little bit more sensitive and also build up his character a little bit. Cause I do feel like I had an opportunity to expand a lot of the characters and rabbits in the garden. And I didn't take that risk back when I originally wrote it. Cause I was very focused on the story of the main character. And obviously I've grown a lot as a writer and, and know that now that, you know, you're not, you're not wasting your time to just color the world a little bit more and fill in these side characters a little bit more, you know, it takes a sentence, you know, to give somebody a backstory. And, um, so I tried to do that a little bit with the edit and just kind of fill people out a little bit. Um, but, but yeah, I'm sure there's even stuff that I'm missing where it's going to be a little cringe. I mean, obviously the, um, the whole, the whole time people are like you're crazy you're crazy right. and you know uh, and and I'm, I'm certainly not trying to um equate mental illness with like a murderer or anything um so i i definitely had qualms about that going back and and reading it um it is certainly not a let's just say there's there's definitely more to the story than oh she's you know oh she's crazy and she's killing people um so and 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 hairs in the hedgerow uh fleshes that out a lot more as well so that's why i'm really glad that they're coming out close together august and and november that people don't have to wait and they don't have to be like wait a minute what what (laughs) because definitely the the end of rabbits takes an unexpected turn and uh so I'm, i'm eager for people to learn um the whole story and and i i'm i would like to write a third book yeah uh, in the world eventually that's set in the 80s so um i have i have some ideas that's fun <laughs> so hopefully hopefully people enjoy it yeah if they enjoy it i'll definitely write a third one if they don't enjoy it i might still do maybe it. yeah maybe do it anyways have a blast <laughs> how um how hard is it to find that line to balance on of because the world's filled with vicious disgusting things um and things that you can use in fiction um because they're real how hard is it to find that line of supporting a story with this thing that's kind of based in reality because you know whatever you know insert horrible thing here exists how hard is it to find that where where you are doing something maybe not for shock value i i was writing a story recently and a character in it kills another character originally i was like and it's a kid 
And then there was a mm. part of me in the back of my head that was like, but why? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why is it a kid? And yeah. the only answer I could come up with is because I knew that that would quote unquote hurt more. Um, yeah. Where do you find that line of, or how do you? Um, I mean, just kind of just doing what, what you just said, um, you know, asking those questions. Why does this serve a story? Why is this important? Um, there was a game that we used to play. Um, and I used to teach after school creative writing and there was a game we'd play um, when one of my writers was killing too many characters. We, you would basically put them on trial, put the character on trial. <laughs> oh, that's trial. fun. And yeah, and be like, why did you do this? And they have to give you an answer. Um, and if they don't have an answer, then the death is unnecessary. Yeah. Um, kind of, in, in a way. Uh, but, but yeah, asking those questions, who is it? Is it just serving me? You know, is this just something that I think is neat? Um, it, you know, it, it, what am I trying, what feeling am I trying to put into the reader? And, and uh, if it's just shock and horror, I mean, there's, there's places for that for sure. Um, but like you said, there is, there's quite a bit of that going around. There's no shortage of shock and horror on the daily. So right. um, these days I tend to, I feel like uh, explore more introspective things um, about humanity instead of just ripping people apart. Or I, you know, I, I'll rip my main character apart, but it's because she's, you know, made of butterflies or something and they're just like trying to get out and like, I don't know. That sounds awesome. <laughs> just weird weird shit yeah (laughs) um and uh yeah just kind of making those those questions i i i had to write two middle grade books recently and i kept (laughs) they kept going ya yeah (laughs) and i being like oh i'm gonna come back here maybe this person doesn't die maybe they just get a (laughs) boo-boo i kept being like don't you're not supposed to kill people in middle grade that's But because it's like spooky 90s stuff. So I was like, okay, I'll I'll let this person die, but I'll make a bunch of like 90s puns or something. I don't know. (laughs) I mean, that's fun too. I mean, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Trying to figure out that. Well, I was, I've been interested in this since, uh, since I I got to go to StokerCon virtually and I watched a few panels about, you know, writing for, for younger audiences and, and, um, how you do that you know, how, how you write mm-hmm. for younger audiences. And, and Daniel Krause, uh, who's been on the show, he, yeah. he said um, he doesn't soften it. Mm. He just wants to terrify them. Like, it's the same yeah. goal. Um, it, it, where does your head fall on that? Because you know the stuff that you read when you were a kid, and it's yeah. it's different for everyone, obviously. Like, Yeah, I, I, I uh, you know, I definitely got some notes back on the book that were like, you know, are these are these kids using too big vocabulary and, you know, stuff like, is this too adult? And, and I, you know, for me, I'm like, Hey, it's your, it's your thing. You can, we can change it. Like that's cool with me. Um, but I don't like to write down to kids. Yeah. Like, you know, I learned vocabulary by reading. Um, and those, you know, books had big words in them or I was reading adult books and you just went and you looked it up if you don't, you didn't understand it. And, uh, so I, I tr- first draft, I don't pull any punches. I'll, I'll write to, to terrify or make someone squeamish and just write however I want, but, but obviously try to make it sound a little bit more like a kid, of course. Right. Um, but I mean, 
then I'll, then I'll go through the edit and I'll just kind of be like, okay, this was, you know, I had in one of the books that I wrote, um, they, <laughs> I had probably one of the most terrifying like death scenes that I had ever written. And I was like, I can't put this in this book. <laughs> like it was just, it, it was just too horrifying. And I'm like, this is supposed to be for children. I mean, it's basically like, um, I wrote these books uh, based on kind of um, in-world mythology um, of a commercial in a movie that's coming out. Um, so I can't say too much about it, but it's a it's a sequel to the WNUF Halloween special. What? Which <laughs> um, that is awesome. Out later this year. <laughs> but uh, there there are some books that are shown in a commercial in the sequel, and uh, they're based in the '90s because the movie is takes place between '94 and '96, uh, and they're they're fun. That is insanely cool. <laughs> Shout out to awesome Chris LaMartina and uh, Jimmy George and WNUF because it's like my favorite Halloween movie It's ever. awesome. If you haven't seen yeah. it, if anyone's listening and you haven't seen it, it's on Shudder right now. You can go watch it on Shudder if you have a Shudder subscription. Um, I, I kind of don't want to say too much. Like, just go seek it out. You're going to dig it. Yeah. Uh, it's awesome. We, I forget one year we had a, a Halloween a party at my friend's house and we put together a big list of stuff that we were just like letting play while we were having the party and that's one of the ones where people were just like what wait what is this and you kind of can't help but just be like grabbed by it because it's very very unique that's so cool and i'm insanely excited for those to come out yeah it's yeah it's gonna it's gonna be really fun are those is um, that what was that? Is that in 2022 or later in 2023? Yeah, so that would be coming out. I, I think they're debuting it at the end of July at a convention. So it should be out uh, in August or September. So Hell yeah. in time for Halloween. That's so cool. So Yeah, I'm really excited. But like, yeah, Chris was just kind of like, all right, this is uh, this is getting a little too bloody. <laughs> Man, I have so many questions that... <laughs> like he was gonna keep saying that so i kept taking the blood away sure well, that, that makes me wonder then about the what ne i don't you obviously can't i don't want to put you on the spot and ask you about that that's very cool um very very much looking forward to those um and your your stuff coming out for the, through ghoulish is prose uh what about you see you were mentioning uh, more blackout poetry coming uh, based on little women tell me a little bit about that project yeah, I'm I'm still uh building the poems, putting them together. Um I have it's going to come out next year from Apocrypha, um probably around April. Um and it's going to be 155 <laughs> blackout poems cuz next year is the 155th anniversary of Little Women. Oh, that's awesome. So, um I'm still actually I have I know people can't see this, but <laughs> this is the collection oh, so that's far. A big, it's a big bag of paper. <laughs> a big freezer bag full of paper. Um, so I'm, I I think I'm at about one, I might be at like 150. Yeah. Um, so soon I'll start coloring everything. First, I need to clean my house so I have somewhere to put all these things. Right. So is that, are they <laughs> horror poems? How would you yes, describe it there? Mm -hmm. It's going to be a cosmic horror kind of. It's a 
let's say it's a cosmic horror exploration of sisterhood and feminine rage. Oh man, that sounds awesome. <laughs> that sounds so cool. So yeah, that, do you feel like the the story that you're using to build the blackout poems guides those themes more or is it you guiding them? I mean, I feel like the I think it's both. Yeah. Um, but certainly there is a lot in Little Women that's like, you know, I don't want to be a little woman. <laughs> <laughs> that famous, that famous quote. Yes. Yes. <laughs> famous Louisa May Alcott quote there. Oh, I'm tired of being a little woman. I don't want to be a little woman. <laughs> Uh, yeah. there, there is a lot of um, contrariness, sure. you know, uh, Joe's part, of course, and, and a lot of rebellious attitudes. Um, and and I find a lot, uh, this, is, this happened with Secret Garden, too, but just queer. Yeah. Qu- the word queer all oh, over yeah. the place is going to be, then this book's going to be queer as hell. Um, <laughs> they, so, they left it there for you. They're, the tools yeah, here. It's, right there right there so um and lots of uh i didn't know it was really going to be cosmic horror at first i knew it'd be horror but um once i found a poem or there were actually a couple pages that just refer to them as the four sisters oh and i was like that sounds eerie yeah, that's real creepy <laughs> and i was like all right it's time to meet the four sisters everyone four sisters and mother mother and the four sisters and it's just like it it just started uh happening yeah i basically i'd look at a page and i'd be like it would just suddenly appear this weird cosmic horror piece and i'm like i just i can't fight it anymore this this book is going to be weird as hell and queer as hell and i'm i'm absolutely loving every second of it i'm super excited for that now that i know you know it's those things it's on the top yeah. of my my list now yeah. and um, i'm excited to, to do the coloring too because i'm uh i'm definitely gonna we're gonna mix uh scans and pictures because i definitely want to build kind of big pieces for this one that's awesome so things, things that kind of spill off the page yeah would did you have a like a history with those books before you chose to, to use them for, for blackout poetry? Had you like read them previously and loved them or were you kind of. I mean, I, I'd, I've read all of, um, you know, Frankenstein secret garden and little women. Um, I wasn't emotionally really tied to any of them in, in a huge way, except for maybe Frankenstein. And, you know, I love, have loved the nineties, little women, like movie and like watch it every Christmas. So um i was kind of obsessed with that but no, christian bale and when I was well yeah no it's out. just it's oh. just hot from one corner of the yeah. screen to the next um but it was just something that kind of i open it up and i'm like yep this is it yeah also like my friend kayla kept giving me giving me her childhood copies of things to use so that was how secret garden happened and she gave me her copy of little women and I think she's just trying to get into the acknowledgments, but <laughs> <laughs> no, she's awesome. Sneaky move. But yeah, <laughs> she kind of helped me brainstorm because I, I, I like uh, I like doing the classics by female authors. I think the the material has a lot to say. Um, I recently worked with, man, I forgot the author's name. I picked it up out, out of Goodwill, but a book called uh, The Company She Keeps. 
It was a, a, a female author. Um, like, I think it's, it was written in the forties and man, that book has been insanely inspirational. Yeah. I haven't really made any blackout poems, poems from it, from it, but I kind of did, um, I went through and kind of looked for phrases and then I built a regular poem using kind of phrase blackout poetry techniques yeah. without actually making a piece. So uh, a lot of the, I feel like older books written by women, uh, <laughs> man, they're just, uh, it's, it's just waiting there to be, to be opened up and explored. And obviously a lot of people have more experience with that and actual literary degrees that go into this sure. stuff. But, <laughs> and I'm just an idiot playing around being with colored pencils, but. <laughs> do you think you would be able to do it with a book that you did have like a really strong emotional connection with, or would there be. I have, I've done, I've done last unicorn many times and I can hear it. And I, uh, I, yeah, I I've done last unicorn and, and, um, Charlotte's web, which are very, uh, very near and dear to my heart. So, and those are always fun, but yeah, it's a little hard. It's, it's hard to divorce yourself from the material a little bit. Yeah. You just kind of have to go into it, just pick a page and yeah, dive in. <laughs> things. Yeah. When you are putting a story together, whether it's a, a blackout poem or, or a, a longer prose piece, is it always going to be horror? Like when you, if you, if an idea pops into your head, how often is it something other than horror? If ever. <laughs> I feel like everything just kind of uh, eventually drifts to horror yeah. for me. Um, but I, I've certainly, you know, have sci-fi stories and, and, and stuff like that where, I, you know, horror isn't, you know, it, it wasn't my aim. I just feel like horror is in everything naturally. So it's kind of hard to keep it out. Um, like I said, I have a, a five book young adult series and... I mean, it's, there's nothing explicitly horror in it, but I mean, she does get her period on stage in front of a bunch of people and that's scary. That's horrific, yes. You know, during a, an Andrew W.K. song, <laughs> you know? So. <laughs> there's layers. I mean, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, there's, uh, I think it just, I, th I think horror is, is just the most, versatile genre because it's in every genre yeah for me i mean you can't you can't read a romance book without a little bit of horror you know the will is he gonna call or you know where did i leave my panties like you know that's all it's, it's hard to right with well, that fear like the fear that we we hold in this um whether it's over an emotional attachment or, or something else like we are constantly I think that I think maybe even more than a lot of people want to admit, like how anxious and nervous and constantly in our own heads we are and afraid of things. And it does yeah, bleed over into other stories very easily. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I definitely uh, if, if I'm writing, if I'm aiming to write something short, I usually do drift to horror because I feel like it's it's the quickest way to grab somebody and change their attitude yeah you know comedy is is very difficult um you know it's hard to make someone laugh um and uh you know and obviously not not everyone is going to be scared by the same thing but i feel like there are they're always going to be kind of universal scary things you know 
it's it's not all not everyone's scared of the dark but everyone's going to be scared of something that's in the dark you know if you hear something scurrying around being like uh, uh, what? what is that <laughs> what is that the Um, goal like do you want to because i know what you mean where everyone's obviously has different tastes but the big thing for me whenever i hear someone say they didn't like uh, a a horror movie or a horror novel and and they say it wasn't even scary yeah that's a, a question that i always carry with me which is Okay, but like watching it as, you know, however old you are, you're not a 10 year old, you know, you're older than however old. Um, Mm -hmm. The fear that I fear now or that I feel now from something like I read The Shining over uh, my vacation and I was in a cabin and like Mm -hmm. I was reading it and I wasn't scared. But then when it was time for me to go to bed and I would hear shit like outside the, the walls, like I know I'm fine, but there's that part of me that's like, I feel unease now. So if somebody asked me, I'd be like, yeah, the book scared me, but not like it would have scared me when I was much younger. Yeah. Not like you're just, you're reading it going like, ah, right, yeah, like, just like sweating, you know, it's, it stays with you and, you know, comes back. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like most, uh, most like stuff that's horror that I consume is not technically ever really scaring me while it's happening it's more like a whoo right in the feeling um and yeah and like later later at night i might you know get out to go to the bathroom all of a sudden like i'm like i'm not gonna look behind me there's nothing behind me i'm sure there's nothing behind me but i'm not gonna look not gonna look either (laughs) just gonna walk to the bathroom with my back against the wall just shift (laughs) and it's so dumb but it's just like, it was like the, you know, that stupid lights out kind of thing. Like, sometimes I'll just think of that lights out creature for no reason. Like, <laughs> and I'm just like, why? Why, why, why brain? For me, like, when I was a kid, I can remember sleeping with my my arm hanging over the side of my bed. And mm-hmm. I don't know, like, I don't know that I saw anything or I don't know where, but that fear of something grabbing me. And there would be nights where instead of just picking my arm up, I would be like, it's, it's going to happen right now. And then it wouldn't happen. Like I would do that where I like building myself up to the, to the moment when I was going to be taken and it wouldn't happen. So then weirdly you would think that would have been helped me. And, but no, then I would have been like, Oh, I was wrong. It's going to happen now. And (laughs) that, like you said, it dwelled in me. And I mean, for me, it's the, I can't have my hand hanging over because the people can lick hands too. (laughs) That horrible story. (laughs) Why'd you say that? (laughs) That's going to dwell in me now. I'm not going to be able to get rid of it. It's like the ring. I have to share it. (laughs) Give it away. Give it. (laughs) So what do you, what does... Is there any, like, reading, movies, anything that actually scares you? Um, I mean, obviously, real life is horrific, but, like, within the realm of stories, you know, what really, what really sticks with you? Um, it, it depends. It's, it's so weird because years ago, I couldn't, I could, I couldn't watch or read any horror for a number of years because I was having, uh, waking nightmares. Oh, no. Where, you know, not, not really, like um 
not not the sleep paralysis or anything like that but i would just see things in the room um and so i stopped i was still writing horror but i stopped watching everything i think the last thing at that time i watched was tusk oh gosh and tusk gave me such like horrific waking nightmares that i just stopped completely um and then i i went on zoloft for a while and i got better (laughs) (laughs) and i was fine um and i went off zoloft and i stayed fine um so i so now i'm back to to watching and reading stuff but i'm i'm not really having nightmares which is which is bizarre um but there are definitely some some images that have scared like have stuck with me there's there's a movie called before i wake where there was oh my god there's like a shot of this kid and it was like eyes are oh my god i started (laughs) sobbing sobbing and um like just real weird things like i watched robocop for the first time and like when the guy like dissolves in the toxic waste, I was screaming. That movie is crazy violent. <laughs> like it is bonkers over the top violent. <laughs> so it's very, very strange things. Um, I just rewatched um, Haunting of Hill House, the Mike Flanagan series, which I have seen a, a number of times, but I hadn't been able to watch it since my brother passed away of an overdose last year. And, uh, I finally watched it again and it, like, I, it kind of scared me in a whole new way yeah. watching it kind of with, with new eyes and with this added part of me now. So it was, that definitely chilled me where I hadn't really been scared of it before. So I think, I think, a fear is a, you know, a constantly changing and, and it's, it's a creature of its own that, you know, grows and changes in you. Yeah. Um, obviously when people, you know, I don't have kids, but when people have kids, you know, their fears completely change. And, you know, I, you know, and I see that in, you know, I, I, I fear for my nieces and nephews and my friends' kids and all that kind yeah. of stuff in, in ways that I didn't used to. And I was like, man, I chose not to have kids, so I didn't have to go through all this stuff. Oh, I didn't get to escape it. Still got it. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I mean, there are certainly things that that scare. I man, I wake up at three a.m. all the time, being like, did I tip the bartender? (laughs) I (laughs) and I and then I'll go and I'll look at my Gmail, and I'm like, that's right, I sent myself a receipt just for this occasion. (laughs) I did it. So. Um, <laughs> certainly not, not the typical things are, are going to scare me like they used to, yeah. but, um, I am, I am always, <laughs> I'm always on the lookout for it and always taken by surprise, yeah. which I guess is, is, is a good thing, you know, um, it did not being scared at every Oh yeah, that is good. Like, going to happen now. <laughs> well, um, kind of wrapping up, um how long do you usually write a day? Like, um, what's your, your typical, uh, day writing session? Like, um, it, it depends. Uh, if I'm doing like blackout poetry and stuff, I can literally like just sit for hours and hours, just finding poems, tearing them out and typing them up. Um, sorry, my husband just, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, um, I, uh, when um when I'm writing a story, um I I tend to 
and it's it's been a while since I've I've done this, but I just tend to like kind of curl up with a, a notebook yeah. and you know write for as long as possible. I usually will do it at night. Usually when my after my husband falls asleep, that way I can kind of just like be psychotic about it. Yeah. But, you know, years ago when we lived in a different place, I would go and, and shut myself up in, in my writing hut for hours and hours and hours. And um, obviously I did NaNoWriMo a lot and, um, in the back in the day. And I would just, I'd take so many days off work and just write all day. Yeah. <laughs> Probably not the best way to do it. It sounds but, awesome though. Um, it really, really depends. Um, I also have a very, I have a very cool job that, you know, if stuff gets slow, you know, I, I work at a tattoo and piercing shop. So they're all artists and understand that I'm an artist too. So I get to work on little things here and there. So um, I, I basically write whenever I can snatch the time for yeah. it. I'm a little, little squirrel gathering nuts of time and building things as I go. Yeah, that works. Some, I mean, you whatever. I forget who said it. I'm sure a lot of people have said it, but you t grab the time wherever you can and and get mm -hmm. the words on the page. Yep, yep. I always need to say if I'm waiting, I'm writing. That's a, I need to remember if that. I'm a, if I'm in a line or something, just pull out a notebook or you know on the on the phone or something. You know, just yep, get it where you can get it. Yep. Well, I appreciate you coming on a ton. Um, remind everyone uh, what you have coming out, where they can grab it, and all the awesome stuff that they can expect from the McUniverse, which, by the way, is an amazing website. That I, the second I saw it, it stuck in my head. It is perfect. McUniverse.com, her last name. That's go to, go to her website. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, um, so I have uh, the Rabbits in the Garden is coming from Ghoulish Books, which I always have to say it like that because of Max. Um, and in late August and Hairs in the Hedgerow is coming from ghoulish books in November, uh, right in time for Thanksgiving. And, um, I have Complex Accidental Life is available from Apocrypha in hardcover now, and it is a beautiful copy. So I definitely recommend it. Also, Strange Nest is available in paperback and ebook. Um, yeah, and I'm open for commissions right now. So if anyone wants to jump over to mcuniverse.com and check out the Inspire page, you can choose from a list of on-hand books or you can request a book. And I just go to the used bookstore and pick it up and I make like three to five poems for you. You can pick one, but then you can add on other poems that you like. So you can, you can just get one or you can get a bunch and I'll make them super fun and cool and glittery and pretty much anything you want. <laughs> That's amazing. And it'll be very easy and they make really fun gifts yeah. too. Sweet. I'll make sure there's a link to uh, your website in the, the notes of the show and make sure everybody sees it on, on Twitter and everything. Thank you very much for stopping by. This was awesome. Yeah. Thank you for having me. That was my conversation with Jessica McHugh. Again, swing by McHughUniverse.com. Check out her blackout poetry. Commission yourself a blackout poem or for someone that you love. Uh, and watch out for those books uh, that are coming out, especially her book of blackout poetry based on Little Women. And then her two tie-in novels to the WNUF sequel. That's super amazing. I'm so excited for those. Thank you so much to Jessica for coming on. Thank you again to Sean Nataro for the brand new theme music, which you heard at the beginning. And you're going to hear after I am done doing this little outro thing. And again, apologies for my audio. It was definitely not a fun thing to find when I went to listen to the audio. I appreciate everyone who listens. Thank you so much, and I hope you come back for the next episode.